Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm April Vokey, and you're listening to Anchored, my chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I travel to sit face-to-face with my guests in their own homes to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. This episode is made possible by Rio Products. Over 20 years ago, Rio was the first fly line company to develop and sell a fly line designed specifically for spay casting, the good old wind cutter. From there, Rio developed the first commercially available Skagit line and soon after was the first company to introduce the MoTip system, specific tips powerful enough to turn over typical winter steelhead flies. Rio remains dedicated to simplifying spay with a host of videos and resources for the consumer, all found at Spay Central at www.rioproducts.com. Tommy Arkvisla is a world champion spaycaster and all-around nice guy. Hailing from Norway, Tommy kindly made time to sit with me during 2017 Spayorama. In this episode, we discuss competition casting and Tommy's entrance into the spay world. I'm from Norway. Uh, I live in a city close by Oslo, like like an hour south of Oslo. It's a small town called Horten. It's kind of, yeah, 30,000 people living there. It's a small city. Everybody knows everybody. You were born there? No, I was born in Moss, but uh, there's a city over the sea over there. Uh, yeah, it's like I've been staying there for like when I was four. I think. Okay. Yeah. So, and your your parents were they together? Oh no, that's why my parents get divorced when I was like two, three. So okay. I live by my mom. I'm the youngest of four. Right. The small one, uh, not so small though. But uh, no, because how tall are you, Tommy? I think in feet it's like six three. I think. Six, yeah, you're yeah. a pretty big guy. Yeah. When you walk around the ponds here, 
yeah. you've got a presence for sure. Oh. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. It, it's got to help a little bit with the casting too, which we'll oh, talk yeah. about. Yeah. So I should probably just explain to the listener where we are. We're currently sitting in, uh, well, we're at the Golden Gate Casting Club. Yeah. And Spearama finished yesterday. What was your longest cast yesterday? Uh, I had one eighty-four. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, that's a good one. It is, yeah. yeah. So, what did you place? I, I placed fifth. That's fantastic. And there were how many guys? A total of thirty or something. Yeah, in the men's open. I got the numbers. It was fifty total contestants yep. for women, seniors, and and you guys. Yep. Nine different countries. I mean, it was a pretty busy event. Oh yeah. This is uh, this is the toughest one for sure. How many years have you done this event? Yeah, this was my eighth year in a row. Okay, now we're going to jump back into Sparama details, yeah. but I just wanted to give people an an idea of where we are. Yep. Okay, so you're the youngest of four. You're the baby, the not so small <laughs> baby. And is that what got you into fishing? No. Uh, my mother she met a new new guy. He was kind of yeah. He liked to go fishing, and I kind of liked it too. So he he brought me around, you know, everywhere in Norway with fishing. Like I don't start with fly casting before I was like over twenty. I was fishing with you know all the kind of shit. Like yeah, yeah from boat with lures with uh, every, everything. Well, how old are you now? I'm forty six. Okay, so you've been spay casting for twenty six, or nope. you've been no, fly, no, 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 fly no. casting. I started with a single hander, uh, and I was by far not the most talented guy. I'm kind of the guy when when you, if you go after me, I come up over and over and over and again. I never give up. I like to practice a lot, and if I try to get a, reach a goal, I try everything to to reach it. Okay. Yeah. So I'm kind of a hardworking guy. How did that come into play? Did that have something to do with your mom's boyfriend too? Mm, no. This is. You. It's more like where I grew up. We kind of uh, it was not the best social. It was pretty tough. Was it country or... No, it was in the city, but, you know, there was a lot of divorced women with a lot of kids. Really? Yeah, it was always kind of tough. It was a, kind of the strongest guy was in the lead there. Were you a social kid or were you pretty antisocial? No, I was, I've always been very social. I've been a little bit, uh, what you call it, after I met my wife, I kind of straightened a little bit out. Okay, got so it, got She's it. pretty much the smartest choice i ever did okay <laughs> yeah. so you start fly casting yeah it was actually yeah when i was uh, done by the you know by the military i bought myself a singlander okay hold on back it up so before we get to military uh, you you were in the military oh yeah everybody in norway have to go uh like serve for a year well let's talk about the norwegian culture so i've been to norway yeah. i met my husband in norway oh I, yeah, there's just a magical feel about Norway. Oh yeah, it's a great country. It's also the most expensive country I've ever been in in my life. I mean, it was like forty dollars for two Burger King meals. Oh yeah, <laughs> why crazy. is it? Why is it so expensive? I don't know. Uh, we have a great healthcare in Norway. I think uh, that's one of the reasons. So if you got like if something happened, you go to the hospital and don't have to pay like a lot of money doing it. Right. We just take care of you. What's minimum wage? Once more. What is the minimum wage a worker can make? Like, how much do they pay people to work in McDonald's? Oh, I don't know. But I actually don't know. I think it's a lot. I think it's yeah, actually... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My daughter, she works at McDonald's. Yeah. She's 16. It's a beauty. <laughs> uh, she just loves that job, I think. And I, I think I heard, and I might be wrong, but I yeah. think I heard they make something close to $20 an hour. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Pretty whereas much. in North America, it can, in some places, be 8 Oh, 
Right. So it makes a difference. On yeah. The I think the taxes is the main reason here. If you buy like a car back here, it's like, okay, you buy a car for like three, 300,000, you pretty much have to pay like 700 in Norway. That is insanity. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, what <laughs> about the fishing system? Is it like in, in England? I know I had to fish beets. We had certain beets. Yeah. Can the regular people fish Norwegian water for salmon? Yeah. Or do you have to have a lot of money? Mm, yeah, it could be both actually. Okay. Uh, some of the rivers, like they have the public beats where you could just pay a fee every day. Mm-hmm. It's no limit. You could be like thirty guys in a short beat. It can also be a long beat. But then you have private water as well. They are a little bit more expensive. But you have to remember some of the beats you can when you rent them. You can like uh, you have an apartment. You know, you have a private beat. Yeah, it's a little bit more expensive, but it's not that expensive, I think. Okay, how much is it to fish the Alta? Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, Alta has their own system. Uh, there's a, there's a have, have their own like alley. Uh, it's, it's just taking care of that river. So I know there's some syndicate stuff. Uh, people take care of each other. You buy one rod, two, three persons fishes the same rod. Oh, can you explain just, that for oh, people? Oh, yeah. If 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 you if you have one rod, you just allow that rod in the water. You can't. Two guys can't fish for the same rod. They just swap going. Yeah. So even of. though a rod day could be, say, it costs. Let's make it simple. A thousand dollars for a day. Yeah. Your buddies nap on the bank while you're fishing, and then you just switch out. Yeah. So when you're done, he you just grab your rod or take his own rod. This one rod allowed in the water in at the. At a time. Yeah. And then oftentimes, I know when I was there anyway, it was 24 hours of daylight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you have trouble sleeping. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but usually kind of, if you, if you want to fish in Norway, you have to get up in the mornings, like from 4 to like 7, 8 in the morning is prime time. Same is, you know, kind of late, especially when you're fishing a little bit later in the season when the when the light is kind of you get a little bit you know the magic hour starting to get in darker mm-hmm. uh, we also fish a lot of sea trout in the dark though oh yeah it's that's pretty cool fishing in the dark is a uh, really big deal yeah. I found over there yeah. can you explain the appeal to that I'm terrified of the dark so I do not <laughs> fish in the dark I like to fish in the dark yeah you guys all seem to love it why I don't know why it's kind of you kind of walk walk by the bank during the daytime Try to remember all the bushes, all the rocks, all the streams, everything. <laughs> then you go there and you fish with a single hander just by information. But actually, if you don't use any light or you're going to smoke or no nothing, you're going to actually see it pretty good because your eyes is kind of into the dark shit. So. They adjust, yeah. And it's a fantastic feeling when, when the big big fish take a fly during the night. Because every, you can't every, see anything. Yeah, you kind of, <laughs> and you, you, kind you of, hear it, right? So, you know, the electrical stuff, every time you feel a fish, yeah. it's even better than in the dark. So, yeah, pretty <laughs> well, cool. You don't mind not seeing your cast? No. But you could be fishing an enormous tangle on your line for like no. 20 minutes and not no, know. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's all about feeling. You, you, I actually feel when I have a tangle on my leader or my fly is going, kind of hearing it in... All your senses are kind of wide open at night, and uh, yeah, it's, I, I just dig it. Are there any pre- predators in Norway that can eat you at night? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I remember once time I was I was thinking I was actually walking towards a wolf during the night, oh. and I was kind of scared, but it was actually just a dog. So, but, but for sure, but for sure, sometimes you kind of oh, 
this is scary shit, but not very often. Are there so there are wolves though in Norway? No, very few, very few. What about bears? Oh no, no bears. Very few. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, not where you're fishing. No, that's another big problem. Pretty safe, safe yeah. over there. Yeah. Did you finish high school? Yep. And did you go to college? Mm, yep. You did. What did you take in college? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you call that in English? Mm. Numbers. Uh, Accounting? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So oh, do I, do I work with it? No, no. <laughs> you don't work I don't with know. it? No. No, I'm uh, actually have a degree in working with kids. And you did that in university as well? Uh, or no. did you go back no, to No, I did school? actually, I did it while I was working actually. When I was grown up, I you know, had an, another profession and I just wanted to take it so I get a better salary. And uh, But now I'm kind of, I work in, in a shop full time. Okay, fly which, shop. A fly shop, uh, okay. No, in Oslo. Uh, and I also teach a lot. I have my own fly cast in school. How, yeah. did, how does that happen? Uh, I had a friend of mine, we were kind of into the mountain shit. You know, we want to go fish for trout. So we bought ourselves a nine feet five weight. Right. Started casting and yeah, it was cool. There was a lot of flies in the trees, though, in the start. Uh, and as I said, I was probably the most uh, talent guy. We were like three guys. Yeah. Uh, probably my rod in the line was shit, though. But then I remember buying myself a new rod, and I was pretty good, actually. Look, do um, you remember what it was? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a Rung Thompson. Uh, it was a, today is like total shit okay <laughs> but it was good back then and um, yeah I was fishing for sea trout in the sea I fished for brown trout kind of breaking the key about casting practice a lot more than the other guys they kind of I just take off uh, and I think I was pretty good okay so, well I mean obviously you're pretty good look at you now so from there what happens then I went to a demonstration in 1999 I think okay where was that at that was in my home city and I saw this guy with a two-hander for the first time. I was kind of, ooh, this is cool. This is a big one. <laughs> Do you remember who he was? No, nope, I don't remember his. Uh, so then I tried one, and I was kind of overhead casting. No spay casting or nothing. And I said, like, ooh, this is really cool. I can use both hands. And this guy come up to me and said, you got to buy yourself a two-hander because you're fucking amazing. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> I kind of feel a little bit, you know, oh, so cool. <laughs> So my wife, she bought my uh, bought my first two-hander, uh, like a present. Uh, I remember it was 15 feet, uh, 10 weight EMX Gary Loomis with a <laughs> SDH reel. Looked like crap. But and I, I started fly fishing for salmon. And uh, I was lucky. I caught a lot of salmon the first year. Kind of did something with you. You know, the three-pounders, brown trout wasn't that big anymore yeah so when you got your first like 15 20 pounders oh pretty much cooler to catch those big ones <laughs> how big do they get in norway oh they can get big really big but if you go to like alta laxelv gala this you been uh-huh. uh yeah you can get them like 20 no sorry 50 maybe 55 maybe up to 60 pound actually that's huge oh yeah you need some running shoes then yeah <laughs> Okay, so you really fall into the two-hander thing. Yeah. When do you start thinking about competition? Actually, I didn't think a lot about it. More like uh, when I was fishing the public water back in my home river. It's like 40 minutes away, uh, the river Nymdalslogen. Can you just say that one more time? Nymdalslogen. Nymdalslogen? Yeah, it's Nymdalslogen. <laughs> okay. It's pretty hard to say because it's Norwegian. But 
it's a pretty big river. Yeah. And uh, I kind of find out, you know, if I could cast like maybe 25 feet longer than everybody else, I would catch some more fish. And I said, okay, I'm going to try to be get a little bit better. And I was, so I catch a lot of fish. And what kind of, of heads are you using at this point? Oh, uh, just like scandy heads about around like 40 feet, I think. Okay, so nothing too long. No, 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 no. Just a lot of speed. And I was kind of, people said, oh, you have like a talent for this. And I said, oh, thank you. Then I met a guy, he said, uh, hey, you want to try a competition? I was kind of, no, I'm not a, I was not a team player when I was younger. I was kind of, when I played football, soccer. Yep. People said, oh, tell me you're going to be the captain. I said, okay. Uh, I was probably the worst captain ever. Okay. Because <laughs> I have a bad temper. But uh, so, but I started, I tried it, st- tried it on a platform. There was a lot of overhead shit. Uh, we had like a switch in front of the, of the platform. So no angle change, no nothing. Okay. And uh, I find, find out that my overhead casting was actually shorter than my switch casting. Oh, interesting. So I wasn't that pretty good at the overhead shit, but I was really into the switch shit. So, yeah, then I tried, I remember I tried the 18 foot for the first time. I was looked like really stupid. I wasn't, I couldn't pick the line up. I was doing everything wrong. But, you know. 18 foot's a long rod. Yeah, but if you, you know, hit me down, I always come up again. Right. So I kind of went up a lot of times. And uh, yeah, I went pretty much a little bit better. At this point, are you starting to make a name for yourself in Norway? Or yeah. Did, did people uh, already know who you were? Oh, yeah. Then I started to compete a little bit and uh, I did like okay in the start. I was like three, two, four. And then I was actually in 2008, I was like, okay, I'm going to the CLA in 2009 just to learn. Uh, and the CLA is? Back then, uh, the CLA was, if you wanted CLA, you were actually the world champion. Okay, and what does it stand for? Uh, that was uh, CLA, I'm not sure. It was in Nottingham in England. Oh, oh, okay. It's, yeah. in, it's, a it's, the, it's the old Musto Open. Got it. So when you, you know one of the Loomis guys from, uh, from your part of the area? Mm. I don't remember his name, though. Uh, CPO? No. Yeah, Steve Choate. Yeah, Steve. Yeah. He actually think uh, he won that once. Steve Choate taught me how to spay cast. Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he looks like a cool guy though. He's badass. He's yeah, fantastic. He's, that's cool. Yeah. So I went over there and I met all these guys. Uh, that was the first time I met Gordon Armstrong. He was like, holy fuck good. Like, <laughs> oh fuck. I'm going to get beat like hell. <laughs> but he was uh, very kind. So he said to me like, hey Tommy, why aren't you using your underarm? And I said, uh, I thought I was, but can you show me? He said, okay, I can show you. So uh, yeah, he showed me. And uh, yeah, I took a couple of three casts and all of a sudden my underarm was there. So hmm, I kind of just being there increased my length. So all of a sudden I qualified for the final. At the CLA? Yeah, and I actually won it. <gasps> Did you beat out Gordon? Yep. No. Yeah, it was cool. I had a lot of luck, though. <laughs> but, uh, of course, that was a good feeling. We had a really hard side win. I just, uh, from a tip of my friend, Knut, he was telling me, you can just extend your leader because you're going to get blown. Uh, you're going to blow over. Right. So I did that, and I, I've been practicing, like, whole winter, like, right. every fucking day. Yeah. So when the wind come from the side, I was kind of, okay, I know this. I've been practicing a lot in this shit. So And then all of a sudden, I had underarm as well. 
So I just, I think it was 61 and a half meters or so. Oh my God. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's over 200 feet, I think. That's insane. Now, that was my first international competition. And how long was the rod you were casting? 18 feet. Ah, uh, okay. That's a, that's a beast. It is a beast. So. Now, how did you manage, and this will even kind of translate into mm-hmm. today, how do you manage separating your time between casting and fishing? You asked me before we started why I'm not competing. Mm. And the reality is, it is a serious investment of time yeah, to yeah, practice yeah. casting, not fishing. Yeah. The same problem I have. I kind of, If there's a competition, if I have to choose between fishing and competing, I always choose fishing. I know, it's so hard. Yeah. So how do you make time between the two? This competition is perfect for me because the fishing in Norway is really short. It's like from 1st of June to end of August. Uh, so winter time, yeah. And it doesn't freeze over? Oh yeah, sometimes. But I, I live... You know, down south, there's, the winter is not so hard. Okay. If you go way up north, you can just forget it. So, but uh, yeah, I practice in the sea. Oh, in the, of course you do. So where does it go then from CLA? How did you get here? Oh, then I was a Norwegian champion in single-handed as well in 2010. Uh, then I just went here for the first time in 2010. And uh, that was an eye-opener. Then uh, I see Gordon again. It was kind of, yeah, I'm not going to win this time. <laughs> He was like amazing good, I remember. I was like, oh, fuck, he's like <laughs> all over. So, yeah, and then uh, I think that was his last year. And then uh, um, Jared come like 2.11. He's like, if you thought Jared, uh, Gordon was good, then you saw Jared, he was like, holy fuck, this you, is even better. Jared Downing? Oh, he's super clean, super nice guy. So, And, uh, you know, Travis come, uh-huh. he was like, yeah, he's a fucking beast. He's so strong. <laughs> and he has become more and more technical like Jared as well. Mm-hmm. He's a great guy. So, yeah. But I've been fortunate to do some good results. Okay, well, let's talk about your first year here. How terrifying was it to get oh. into that pond? <laughs> That's a good one. I was actually thinking a couple of guys gonna going to know this feeling. I just went out there for a practice round, and I had a huge tangle. Oh. And you kind of... In practice, your hands were shaking. That's something different. So it's pretty tough to go out there. So if you're kind of a scary guy, you need to you need to do this a couple of times before you get familiar with it. Because there's a lot of pressure, a lot of people. Sometimes you have like you know TV guys running around. So you you need to be a little bit hard headed. It's so say. much stress. Like I'm oh. the sort of person where even if I'm fishing, I'll be casting like a superstar all day. And then a boat will go by me of regular guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just like forget. I don't forget, but I fall apart, you know? Yeah. All those people staring with their iPhones out. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Oh my God. I have the same problem. I don't know if I could do it. So tell, yeah. can you, would you mind explaining to the listener or to my listener what the rules are? Yeah, it's very easy. Uh, the finals is like this you have like two minutes warm up time okay. to get ready, to get settled, to measure your shooting line, see that everything is ordered, maybe do a couple of practice casts. Then the judges say time. Then you have like six minutes to deliver three right snake, three right single, three left snakes, and three left single. Mm-hmm. And none of this right hand on top of left shoulder nonsense. It is left hand up, yeah, right yeah, hand up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's, you get six minutes. So if you kind of fuck up you just, with a tangle or nothing or something, you, yeah, you kind of, your arm's going to shake like hell if you're not used to it. But the key is just take your time. If you if you do a really good cast, 
don't don't spend a lot of time doing that again. How important is your breathing to you? Uh, I don't think a lot about it, but yeah, for sure, it's yeah. smart to breathe. Um, but it's it's tough, and the, especially here at San Francisco, the wind is kind of all over the place. You really, really seldom you get a really good tailwind. It's kind of stay for like twenty seconds, and all of a sudden you have a headwind again. So you have to follow. You you need to be sharp, mm-hmm. really, really sharp. And the best guys out there, they can like really smoke them like one eighty, one ninety. So there was a one ninety done this year, right? Yeah, Jared. Yeah, and Whitney got a one fifty this year. I think those yeah. are a couple. I, I think that's. Whitney got the woman's record yep, or something. I think so. So tell me about the gear, because I have a real oh. roadblock with this gear. Because that's, I think that if I could compete with my fishing gear, there'd be a, a larger likelihood of me getting in that pond. But it's mm. an entirely different setup, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, most of the cast are using 30 pounds of virus because it flies, you float very high. Uh, As a running line, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so you get a little bit break, but the, the, the leaves the water re- really easy. And most of the cars are using the gale force, gale force uh, ED eighty cut from behind. Okay, that's the best competition line. You said eighty? Is that the head length? Yeah, okay. but you, you need to cut it. So it, most of the cars are using between like sixty-eight to maybe seventy-two. I think. Yeah, I always hear people um, talking about cutting. Yeah, is you know. Don't don't think too much about length. Just cut it from behind till you kind of feels uh, that you can control it. Right. Too much people are, you know, they're thinking about length, the the grain weight. Just cut it from behind till you like it. Right. When you can draw it in the air without falling too fast. When you can get a good speed on it. And the the leader is kind of I use like uh, Maxima two. Two different sizes, uh, 50 millimeters and 40 millimeters, like seven feet and six feet. Okay. Very easy. Then you just have a fly on. The rods are uh, probably the, the, <laughs> the, the, the biggest difference because they are way tougher. That's the thing that I have to hold yeah. up with. Can you explain? Yeah. If you kind of into fishing in Norway, we kind of use a lot of 15 foot 10 weight. Uh, this is not a 10 weight. This is more like 12 weight. Right, so, so tip is often strong, but suction is really strong. You need to use a lot of, as Jim Ansight would say, more fucking underarm. <laughs> so you need you need to actually bend the rod from the butt section and through the rod. Yeah, so if you don't do that, you don't gonna do any good. Loading from the strongest part of the rod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Okay, now I have got a question for you. This is something that has been really blowing my mind. I've been studying for my THCI to get my Mm. 2N certification, and I've been really watching and studying different casters. Mm. And you know when they teach you the the original single spade, Mm. how you come up and there's this mild, it's not really a dip, but it's kind of like a a bit of a, right? Mm. When you are, I've noticed when everybody is competing, Mm. they obviously do their lift, they put their bodies forward and then the rule is as we all know long line long stroke Mm. short line short stroke right Mm. in in a nutshell so if you then I've noticed that what you guys do is you raise and then you seem to draw this flat Mm. sweep before you start to circle up Mm. as opposed to the typical single spay where you come up and then have this minor dip down Mm. where did that start I mean am I missing something no no you actually, this is a really smart question. I think there's a lot of guys doing the setup um, wrong. 
Uh, I don't say that mine way is the best one, but I think it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> I'd say it's pretty good. I think most of the guys, when they're lifting it, they kind of don't do it vertical. You mean? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Straight up? Yeah. And they kind of don't lift uh, high enough. So when you lift high enough, you kind of want it to dip a little bit. So I like actually a little bit dipping. But the huge difference is, is you know, what is sideways and going backwards. Oh, because then you're shortening your stroke in a sense. Yeah, because you kind of, when you drag your arm backwards, the line will rise. When you go sideways, you get a flat sweep and then you lift the line up at the end. So every time you got a sweep sideways, you got a flat in cast and you can just wait for it, don't creep and use a lot of underarm and then it will go. Right. I think do that's the big difference between a lot of casters. I've been watching and noticing that. Now, when you do your, and I apologize if we lose anyone here, but it's, I mean, it's, yep. we're going to go for it anyway. Do you, when you do your initial lift to obviously clear the line from the mm. water tension, do you, do you at all lean forward so yeah. that you can have a longer stroke? I did it uh, earlier. Now I'm kind of, uh, yeah, I think that's a smart idea to do. And uh, to, it's the tension that is really important. You don't you don't lift fast. You can actually do it like painfully slow. <laughs> yeah. So I, I remember Brian telling me that, Brian Stiskel, a couple of years back, he had a demo outside here. He was talking about the lift, like painfully slow painfully every time. Slow. So, yeah, <laughs> I think people are kind of rushing it a little bit. And I oh, kind of do it sometimes as well. When I'm, when I'm at my best, I kind of slow down. Yeah. And speed it up when I should. Yeah. So it's painfully just, slow, <laughs> yeah. vertical, a sweep on the side, and don't lift your arms like really, really high. Right. Because you're stronger when you're into your kind of core. It's like arm wrestling with your arms straight out. Yeah. You're going to lose. Yeah. But in here, into your body, you're really strong. Talk to me about the importance of the drift. Oh, yeah. That's that's combined with. You know, with the creeping part and the length of the stroke. Let's explain to people what creeping is because it will make my instructions so much easier because 99% of people I teach with a single hand and even and with the shorter lines on yeah. the two-handers, yeah. they creep. So what you guys, what that means is, as if you don't already know this, what that means is as you're coming back into your back cast, regardless of the spay cast or a single hand cast or a false cast, I mean, you're basically coming back into your back cast and then before you've allowed your rod to load you're creeping forward you're changing your trajectory onto a more upward um, yep. position there are a couple of things happen you either then unflex your rod and then reflex and then uh, you end up putting your line on a different plane and you'll end up with yep. a tailing loop yep. or uh, you'll just end up changing your trajectory so now you have to um, stop your forward cast lower Mm. which means you're ultimately yeah. losing your distance. Yeah. Or if you choose to continue to try to stop it nice and high, you either, well, you end up basically concaving your, your rod tip mm. and you end up again with a tail yeah. loop. There's a whole bunch of shit that just goes yeah. wrong with the creep. Okay, I'm not the only nerdy in this room, but uh, yeah, perfectly. <laughs> that was actually like perfectly. Yeah, yeah, so the drift is, a lot of people think, well, because I can't, I can't move the rod tip mm. forward, whilst waiting for the back cast, that means that I can't allow it to drift yep. backwards, yep. which is, of course, incorrect. And the angle of the rod is, uh, you know, if you wait with a flat rod, you get a longer stroke. Uh, so if you start out with your butt section and you just stop hard, because people, some people think that you're going to hit it hard, mm-hmm. but you don't want to hit it too hard. You just want to stop the rod hard. 
Right. Yeah. So people think that if you kind of hit it too hard too early, it's kind of driving the car and just, yeah, you know, hit the gas pedal. The car will jump like a, like a crazy. You just need to be smooth and stop as hard as you can. Yeah, the acceleration needs to match yeah. the entire yeah. time. Coming up, Tommy and I continue our conversation. Again, thank you to Rio for their ongoing support. Rio has a complete range of lines designed for spay casting and for switch rods. Regardless of what a consumer's skill level is or which style of spay casting is preferred, Rio has got a line for it all. Be sure to check them out at www.rioproducts.com. With the longer line, as you're sweeping around and your bottom hand's helping you to draw, and mm. I'm holding a mic so it's hard for me to do this, but at what, obviously the further you jet out your or that you jet mm. out your bottom hand, the further back you can mm. drop your mm. rod tip, which is mm. scary because you stick to the water. Yeah. So be, you have to be careful. You do. With short lines, yeah. So what's the answer to that? Do you then therefore compensate by obviously maintaining movement, but do you also have to then lift your elbows? Yeah. How L- much? little bit, yeah. That's, that's kind of the, the difficult part. Because okay. I can teach you that. You have to actually kind of feel it. So it's more like do some practice, see... When the drawing is right, you mm-hmm. kind of sweep up, but don't lift it too. High. Can you show me while we're sitting here just what your sweep uh, would look like? Okay. Yeah, thanks. Kind of lift arm. Yeah. Or first, I actually do something that I call stealing the angle. I don't stealing the angle. I, oh yeah, I steal a lot of angle. <laughs> I don't point at the line. I take if the line is like this, I, I just move my rod like thirty degrees. Right. So I don't have to like start here and go. So I start here and I just, no, block my arms. Yeah. Lift it pretty high up. More line of water, easier to to turn around. Mm-hmm. Then I lock my arm, use my hip, go sideways, sideways, up. Okay. And you just want like like the three, four feet, of the, you know, your front taper to hit the water. But you just did something really interesting, I just noticed. Oh, you saw the hands there. So, yeah, I yeah. did. But also where your hand was in relation to your head. So your upper hand was it? It was right by your ear. I never go back. So you're not drifting. Yeah, that's what I was telling you. And uh, I do that, and I kind of lean backwards. Uh, it's still right by your ear. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's but gonna. I, you, you see now, I follow with my head. Yeah, so you do rock back yeah, into I, it. So I, I do the single. But the same thing when you do single-handed, you kind of stop the rod and you drift backwards. Yeah, and you actually you, you do the same now. Your head was following your hand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I so, use yeah. my body, yeah, especially because yeah, yeah. I'm small. Yeah. And yeah, when you talk about the body, it's all about getting as strong as possible. And this is this is pretty much the way I teach. It says if you want to knock someone down, don't stay still. <laughs> then you're not strong. But if you kind of move your body, you kind of like martial arts, you're kind of fifty, sixty percent stronger. So the first year you did I don't remember. I was I was in the final though. You were uh, okay. Oh yeah, uh, I've been in the final every year. Uh, I think two eleven. I was second. I think. Oh. I'm not sure. Wow. If it was two eleven or two twelve. I was second, four feet behind Jared. Have you ever won it? Sorry. Yeah, I won two fifteen. You did. Yeah, I think I have like. Ooh, I have to think now. I think I've won first in two fifteen, and I think I have like two second places. I have three of the longest awards award. I have been third once or two, I think. I'm not sure. So it's been good. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it getting uh, easier every year for you emotionally or, or with yeah. your mental state? <laughs> the, the strange stuff is that I'm more 
nervous when I do the qualification and then the finals. Oh. I don't know why. It's always been like that. And you, everybody's nervous. Well, we should I, explain you, you, that. People can say whatever they want to do. <laughs> but I, when you look after, you, you, you see, okay, this guy is nervous. Yeah. So, it is kind of when you do like a show or your demo, mm. just give me a rod and I feel confident straight yeah. away. So I'm kind of, Norway's more like a little bit tension, not that nervous. But this qualification is always kind of, oh, shit, this is going to happen now. Well, like, I mean, on qual- so, so for people who don't know, Saturday is qualif- it's yeah. the qualifying round. So mm. I think there were 30 of you guys. Yeah. And if you don't make it in the top 10 on Saturday. Then you're going to drink. You're drinking. Yeah, you're not yeah, competing yeah. on Sunday. No. Cigars and drinks. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I saw a really talented guy out there, that young Russian guy. He, did, he was so talented, but he had a knot in his line in the qualifiers. Yeah. And he then ended up, I mean, he was handed another rod. He had never cast yeah. it before. And I think you actually it. saw Michael from oh. Ireland. Oh, was, was he from Ireland? Yeah, no, from Ireland. He's a great guy. A tall guy? Yeah, he, so won, he, won, the, he won the competition in Ireland last year. Did he? Oh, yeah, he's a great guy. But, young, young, I think he's 24. Yeah, yeah, that's a big future. But, oh, yeah. how, but how devastating is that, though, for you uh, to come all this way, you're yeah. in qualifiers, you're one of the best, yeah. and you get a knot in your yeah, yeah, yeah. freaking line, and that's, then you're out. Yeah, that's how tough it is. It's so So you scary. can practice like one year, and you can like get headwind for six minutes, and all the other guys get tailwind. <laughs> so yeah, it can be tough. So sometimes you you're lucky, sometimes you're not. Some some t- somebody some guy told me that yeah, you need to, to draw the lucky stick. So yeah, the, sadly the the wind has uh, much very very important to, to what you do in the final score. So yeah. Now, what have you noticed as far as gear changes go in the last eight years? Mm. For me, the biggest change was when I was uh, using the Gale Force in 2015, the year I won. Now, Gale Force is James Chalmers' yeah. company? Yeah. Uh, I have used another brand earlier, earlier, and um, all of a sudden, I can, kind of my casting was like, oh, it goes like 10, 15 feet longer. You get a lot of confidence by doing that, and yeah, I was lucky that year. You know, had some good wind, and yeah. What's so great about the Gale Force lines? They're soft. Uh, the durability uh-huh. isn't that good, but as James say, he has a good point though. It's like when you're driving the Formula One, you need some soft tire if you want to set the fastest lap. Okay. It's the same thing. Yeah, you, you probably want to crush it after like three, four months, but uh, they go far, like far, far. How is a line being soft going to make it go further? Is it lighter? Is it more aerodynamic? No, it's actually... I don't know why, but it's uh, I think it's the the loading part of it, and uh, that is goes very good in the air. It's kind of just goes, okay, not wobbly. It's just like an arrow. Yeah, so it's don't really collapse simple. it. And no, that's extremely good line for long distance casting. Okay, yeah. So talk to me about Norway. Come, mm. let's get back to you mm. in Norway and the fly shop. When did you start working at a shop, and why? Oh. Uh, I'm kind of been working there. When I started my fly casting school, I did that full time. What is your fly casting school called? Uh, Just Spay. Just Spay. Yeah. And people uh, can find that where? No, you can't find it. Why? No, I don't have a website. For me, it's more like this. Uh, if you go to one of my fly casting courses, you're going to be like crazy happy afterwards and you just tell everybody who knows. Okay, how do people get you though? How do they find you? Oh, people know me. So they kind of, yeah. <laughs> how do uh, my people find you? 
you won't find me. <laughs> Do you want uh, them to find no. you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh, people I you know I meet that I like a lot today, I just give them a card and they, if they're going to go to Norway and need some help or just me to yeah. So you're pretty, to, you're pretty selective. Yep, I am. Okay, why? Why that brings me uh, down a whole new road. Yeah, because yeah, I'm not the guy who I don't like too much publicity. So this is like brand new for me. Like, I don't. Okay, whoa. I just have to tell my. I just have to say this because it's so funny. I asked so for everyone who's listening. I asked Tommy last night, "Can I get you for a podcast tomorrow?" And he was like, um, um, I need to just, I just hang on. And I kind of watched him out, out of my peripheral and he goes and he, t- and he talks to several people. And I had dinner with Simon <laughs> yeah, Gosworth last night. Yeah. Simon was like, Tommy was asking if I should go on the show. And I was like, what in the blasted hell? <laughs> and I figured, I figured, because obviously I don't think I don't know that, what, it, what it was. I don't think it's that I smell or anything, but no, no. I was like, you know, I think he's not that public. No. And I'm right, you're not yeah, that public. That's right. Yeah, well, okay, so that's very interesting. Did you make that decision that you didn't want to be that public when you started doing competition? No, I'm, I'm kind of used to be public now. It's more like, yeah, if you kind of leave your card all over, you're going to get like a million emails. You, you should know. Because you probably get a lot of emails, yeah. messages on Facebook, Instagram. You know how it is. So, yeah, when I started at the shop, I kind of we they started to to to, to sell CD roads, and I was actually doing some promotion for them. Um, so, but uh, it just went to the roof. People just want to buy, you know, the lines and the roads that I used. So now this is C and D stuff. C and D stuff, yeah. Well, I'm going to let you get back to your life and yeah. your flight. Uh, is there anything that you would like to add or to ask me? Uh, no, this has been a great experience, actually. Thank you. So thank you for asking me. It was really nice of you. Yeah. Uh, so if people wonder if, she's, if April is as beautiful as <laughs> she looks, she is. <laughs> oh, you're uh, so I, sweet. Actually, this was really cool. So thank you, April. This was uh, great. Thanks for sharing yeah. your life yeah. with us. Okay. And that concludes this episode of Anchored. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to leave a review about Anchored on iTunes. Saturdays with Life on the Water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.